Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. We've been studying together in the book of Romans, and we have, in fact, finished Romans chapter number one after about uh, 10 broadcasts or so, and now we're venturing into Romans chapter number two. Now, the book of Romans, for review, is a foundational book. It's where we find much of our foundation for church age doctrine. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul under the direct inspiration of God to Jews and Gentiles making up the church that was in Rome. The theme is faith, and the key concept to the book is the righteousness of God. In fact, we could say this is a book of New Testament systematic theology. Chapter 1 through 5 is historical. Chapter 6 through 8 is doctrinal. Chapter 9 through 11 is practical. And then chapter 15 and 16 is the conclusion to the letter. In Romans chapter number 1, we see the degradation, the uh, digression, the downfall, the de-evolution, the, uh, the, uh, the depravity of Gentile world history. Man left to himself does not evolve or ascend, but rather he devolves, he descends. And we see that de-evolution displayed in Romans chapter number one. Man rejects God, rebels, and merits the wrath of God. Man forgets God, he forsakes God, he fabricates gods after his own liking and in his own image, and with that comes degenerated morals, uh, de evolved uh, religion, if you will, darkened minds, and every kind of depraved and debauched sins you can ever imagine. All of that is listed in Romans 1. Romans 1 would be a good picture, uh, if you look in Luke 15, of the prodigal son, the son that rejects the father and goes out to the far country, wastes his substance on riotous living, wrecks his life, and wallows in the mire with the pigs. That's where we are in Romans chapter number 1. It's a wayward generation. It's a worldly generation. It's a wicked generation. But as Paul has laid the uh, crosshairs of Bible truth upon lost people in chapter 1, he centers his mark on saved people in Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2, while the first chapter would give us a good parallel to the person of the prodigal son, the second chapter gives us a good parallel to the person of the elder brother. If you know the story of the prodigal son, there's an older brother. He doesn't leave the father's house. He doesn't leave the father's table. He's still there at the father's side, but he has a pharisaical, self-righteous sort of an attitude. The story parallels in Romans 2 that of the elder brother. It's an elder brother generation. They focus on what's wrong with everyone else. But in the meantime, they're conceited, calloused, they are uh, uh, um, carnal, they're contemptuous, they're childish, they're critical. I mean, they have religion, but religious hypocrisy, and religious uh, hypocrisy uh, hurts 
amen, just as bad as outright uh, denying of God. In fact, a hypocrite can do a lot of damage to the cause of Christ. Religiously, they were hypocritical. Their hearts were uh, not right, though the outward might have been in order. The inside was dirty and not right with God. And we're going to study that chapter, and today will be the first study in it, Romans chapter number 2. Now, I don't want to be the prodigal that left home, but I also don't want to be the prodigal in heart who never left the house. I don't want to be that self-righteous, conceited, calloused, critical pharisaical elder brother. So Paul deals with the Gentiles in chapter 1, and now he'll deal largely with the Jews in chapter number 2. The very first verse says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest, judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So Paul shifts his focus, we could even say his indictment, from the wickedness of the lost world, the Gentiles, to now I said the hypocrisy of the religious world or Judaism. Now, he uses that <clears> old <throat> man, that phrase, thou art inexcusable, O man. The man uh, is a generalization talking about generically you Jewish readers of this letter. The entire context of chapter 2 deals with the prejudice that the Jews had against the Gentiles. The Jews, <clears throat> we could just say this in blanket terms, they did not worship idols made with hands. They weren't uh, promoting blatant uh, immorality by their religion, all of these things that we read about in chapter 1. But though they might not have been promoting these things, they were guilty of these same things in one way or another. So the entire context, he's dealing with these Jews and how they viewed the Gentiles, and Paul said they are inexcusable. That means they don't have any defense. Like a, a man who's standing before a judge, he has nothing to say, but judge, I'm guilty. The self-righteous critical Jew, in reality, had no defense, Paul says, before God when they were critical of the Gentiles. They meant they condemned themselves. When they say, well, this man's guilty of that, that one's guilty of that, they're breaking uh, the law of the Word of God, they just tell on themselves because whether it was outward or in their heart, they were guilty of the very same things. The Bible says it. It says, do us the same. They themselves were guilty of many of the same sins listed in chapter 1. I mean, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God. Can I say those sins are not just sins found out in the world. Those are sins that live and are harbored in the heart of the child of God. And that's why you and I must be careful not to sit as judge and jury against the lost world and always have the outward look and never take the inward look and deal with the sin in our own life. It is easy for me 
to see the flaws, to see the failures, to see the trash piled up in the life of somebody else. But I'll never have revival by being a, a sin pointer outer in the life of somebody else. If I'm going to have a revival, I've got to point out sin in my own life and then deal with it, repent of that sin, get right with God that I might have revival. You're without excuse. You say, well, they do it. Yeah, but so do you. And that's what Paul's writing right here. God judges those who uh, uh, despise his light. He also judges those who would uh, disguise his light. He also judges those who've been uh, uh, delivered his light. And you and I have been given a lot of truth. We have the word of God. So we are without excuse. That heathen in the jungle somewhere doesn't have the word of God. Yes, he commits these sins. And the creation itself preaches to his soul that there, his conscious, there's a God in heaven. But we have better than creation. We have the canon of Scripture. We have the very Word of God. And the Bible says we're without excuse. Now, I don't want to be that crowd with the de-evolved de religion or the degenerated morals or the darkened mind. I don't want to be forgetting God, forsaking God, fabricating gods after my own image and likeness. But I also don't want to be this crowd in chapter 2 that we're going to be dealing with that is so wrapped up in their self-righteousness that they're blinded to the fact that they are just as guilty as those in chapter 1. The flesh excuses personal sin while it loves to expose the sins of others. But I'll say it again, if you and I ever hope to have revival, we have got to confess, come to terms, realize that we are just as unclean as every other person in this world. Your sin might not be mine and my sin might not be yours, but mark it down, all of us are guilty of sin. And it won't be the finger pointers when they point outwardly that experience revival. It'll be those that say, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of revival. That doesn't come from looking outward. That comes from dealing inward. Therefore, thou art inexcusable. O man, whosoever thou art, that judgest another. That's just the first two verses here of Romans chapter number two. Chapter one dealt with the Gentile. Chapter two deals with the Jew. Chapter one deals with the prodigal. Chapter two deals with the Pharisaical elder brother. Neither one is where you and I ought to want to be living. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.